Anxiety in adults can be hard to detect, but in kids, even harder. One expert refers to anxiety as the great masquerader because it can look like a lot of different things, particularly in kids. What's more, some of the symptoms of anxiety are quite sneaky. You may write them off as a phase or a behavior issue or even a prolonged illness, but in fact, it could be how anxiety is manifesting in your child. So what are these sneaky signs of anxiety? Let's find out. So today's topic was your idea, Carolyn, which sounds like I'm like blaming you. I'm not. But what's interesting is as when we got into it, I was like, gosh, this is like really like hits home. Hits home. Well, you're kind of in the throes of it or have been. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're kind of living it. I am. I like very much living well, this. And it makes a lot more sense when you're able to look back on it. So I think maybe that's why I had the idea, but you're, I'm in it. You're getting it. Yeah. But you, it has been diagnosed and you are, and now as you look back on what you can, it all makes sense. Exactly. But there's a lot of signs when it comes to anxiety in kids that you get, you think they're bad behavior or the kid's just being a brat or, yep. and when you understand or they're just particular. Yes. Um, or they're just shy or something. Right. Um, when you understand that it's really anxiety and why it's happening, like it makes perfect sense. And anxiety looks completely different in kids than it does adults. Yes. Yes. Like completely different. But also, even though I've seen it firsthand, even going through this, you know, this list of some of these sneaky signs, I'm like, gosh, if I had seen if I had known these sneaky signs, I would have identified it, I would say, without a doubt, 18 months sooner. Yeah. I'm like, why aren't we telling parents this? Like, why isn't this in Parents Magazine or like the. Yeah. What, why, why aren't like pediatricians what talking the first about year? it? Not that you're gonna, they're going to have anxiety the first year, but I right. wish I'd known these signs. Like, it's not just my kid being difficult. Right. You exactly. Know? Exactly. It's anxiety. So. Um, we felt it was important to share it with you. Um, there, um, we're not going to talk about anything nutrition specific necessarily in this episode, but of course there is a nutrition component, component to anxiety. I think this is more, um, based on the research we did for this, but also our experience in like not recognizing anxiety in our kids ourselves and in hindsight being like, absolutely wish I'd known that. Now there is though, at some point in the podcast, like later on, we're going to talk about the four potential different causes of anxiety. And there is one component that we didn't, we didn't get into the nutrition of it, but there's a very strong relationship to nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So where you want to, let's just start with like, okay, what is anxiety? Because, and what I learned in preparing for this podcast is, you know, several articles pointed out there's fear and then there's anxiety. Yes. And both are normal. Yes. Yeah. Like a little bit is okay. Yes. And and it's It's like inflammation. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, I had to say it. Thank you. Like Um, a little bit is okay, but a lot bit that persists is not. Yes. Yes. Um. So, but yeah, so she's so distracted now that I I brought up inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yes, if there's too much anxiety or it starts 
taking over daily thoughts and stuff, that's when it becomes a problem. Right. But it's, it's an emotion. It's characterized by tension, worried thoughts. And whether you realize it or not, there's going to be some physical characteristics, even if you don't necessarily, maybe like an increase slightly in heart rate or blood pressure or that kind of thing. Um, anxiety disorder is when you have recurring or intrusive thoughts or concerns that really start impacting your day or your interaction with others or, you know, whether you go do something or not. Yes. Kind of thing. Exactly. Um, What I also found interesting was uh, a physician described anxiety in in one of the materials that we were reading to prep for the episode as a great masquerader. Mm. And... What do you mean by that? So that it can look like a lot of things. Oh, yeah. And and this, I guess, kind of segues a little bit into the sneaky signs, but that it it can, like, especially with kids when they can't express their feelings or, like, whether or not maybe they aren't talking, but but more like it's just harder for them to come with the words well, to express their feelings. Even grade school kids. Yeah. It's hard. I mean. Exactly. To figure out how to express your feelings. Um, that you know, that their anxiety can then present in different ways, right? And so, and there's also that connection, which we might talk about a little bit later, where there are other conditions that can be, that coexist. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for, coexist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, okay. So there was just to quickly share the prevalence of this, a study of more than 10,000 kids, um, interviewed by trained professionals shows that more than 30% had developed an anxiety order sometime before they were 18. I'm going to say that's significantly more than 30%. Oh yeah. Like the real number is probably more than 30% for sure. I would think so because I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. What was, um, what was really sad though is the same study showed that 80% 80% of the kids with anxiety do not get treatment. Yeah. And so what's scary to me about that is you just learn coping skills. Um, which and, and potentially often aren't unhealthy healthy. ones. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, you, yeah. Um, well, and then the other thing, though, too, is that um, so you, you, it might present in younger kids, right? And then it, maybe it, it subsides, mm-hmm. or even, even with treatment. And then it can come back in the teen years. It can come back in adulthood. So it's definitely one of those where there is value in doing some type of treatment so that there are, like, healthy coping mechanisms. There's ways to identify it. Um, and, and so w- when it rears its head later in life, yeah. if it does, that – you at least have some skills under yeah. your belt. Well, the child does too. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Sorry. That's what I meant. The child does, and just in general awareness. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Okay. So those sneaky signs, and these are ones that I don't think are like obvious. No. Super obvious. Sneaky being the very much the key word here. Yeah. So number one, eating more or less than usual. Yeah. Which I mean, who doesn't use food to cope? It's times. true. <laughs> or lack thereof. Yeah, you're one of those who doesn't eat. Mm-hmm. I I'm wish a, I could be like that. I'm sometimes. a non-eater. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Yeah. 
So, eating more or less than usual. Um, okay, number two, complaining about stomach aches or headaches or yes. other physical problems. Yes. Um, gosh, this was my younger brother to a T. I mean, really? almost, yes, John, and probably no one from the outside appearance no would have known it, would have known it. But, I mean, starting in grade school, even going up through, like, maybe early high school, like every morning he had a stomach ache. Aww. It was just like, you know, you get tired of hearing the same old thing. And yeah. I'm the older sister, 10 years right, older. And right. I'm like, oh my God. You're like, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was anxiety. And, you know, um, of course, you, my mom at the time didn't think to that. You know, she yeah. took him to the doctor from time to time and they'd be like, oh, is, is everything seems fine. You know? Yeah. But um, stomach aches. Um, and I will say another thing that kind of ties into the physical problems that you have seen, and I feel like maybe I've seen this some with my daughter a little at, in the past, um, is going to the bathroom frequently. Oh. Frequently. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's. I think that that's one where you really kind of need to know. Um, yeah. You need to know that anxiety can present itself yeah. that way. In fact... Otherwise, we you might had, think they have like a UTI or some stomach bug or who knows. We what. had it written into her 504 plan oh, in you middle did? school because in middle school they think if you're asking to go to the bathroom a lot, you're just right. trying to get out of sitting in class. Right. So it had it it was in there that she may have to go to the bathroom more frequently. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I'm sure she'll love me sharing that. Yeah, she will. Yeah. I'll, I'll be hearing about that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Number three. Being very self-conscious or being hard on themselves. So I thought this was really interesting. Um, the Well, both were surprising to me, but particularly the being hard on themselves part was surprising to me. So, like, you know, kids might worry about failing or looking bad in front of other people, which was, you know, absolutely is one of my daughters, like, even now. Um but then the flip side, too, is that they could have, like, low self-esteem and say mean things about themselves. And that, I really did not – I never associate that with anxiety yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, but I I can see it yeah. now. It, it, that definitely shows up in her uh, on occasion. Not with great regularity, but – Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Number four I love um, – or not that I love. Um, yeah. I love the reason behind it just makes so much sense when people know. Number four is irritability or very quick to get anger. Yes. To get angry or having a temper seems yeah. like. A short fuse. Yes. yes. And um, children will also seem, will often seem irritable um, wh- while they're trying to process these emotions. Yeah. This anxiousness. Yeah. Um, and... A lot of times, one of the specialists or one of the doctors in some of the content we were reading said kids appear to have a low frustration tolerance. Yeah. Um, meaning that their reactions will seem disproportionate to the severity of the situation that they're mm-hmm. dealing with. You know, like mm-hmm. they're tying their shoe and then they just like have an outburst because they can't get the shoe tied. Yeah. You know, when you're like, what are you? Right. It's just your shoe. It's a shoe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but also, I think um, a low threshold to get frustrated yeah. as well. Um, and they, she said that temper tantrums may seem over the top. Just and 
it's them trying to figure out to navigate this bunch of complex emotions that they don't know what to do with and it but is kind of taking over their brain well and I mean I I get it very much so because I feel like when I am overly anxious my tolerance for anything else that's true challenging is very low so like if I'm really like especially you know I've had a few moments a few moments in the past couple of months where I've been like my friend says she's like you sound like you're about ready to levitate off of the ground you were like buzzing with so much anxiety and uh and if my kids ask anything extra of me in those moments I'm like I mean I about lose my mind yeah lose it no no reason to but I have like there's no capacity for anything else at that point yeah so I get it with the kids and again they don't necessarily have the capability to be able to even say what's going on like I'm freaking out over my shoe because yeah my mind is freaking out about whatever else yeah yeah um okay number five disrupted sleep which I have to say if there's disruptive sleep I would wonder if that is only gonna fuel the anxiety even more you know what I mean relate to like not go, not being able to fall asleep, waking right. up in the middle of the night. You know, I mean, just yes. any kind of th- disruption to their normal sleep. Yes, yeah. But I do, I do think that that's one that, um, especially depending on the age of the kids, is is really can be challenging. Yeah. Um, like if you think about teenagers, like that sleep in. You know, was it because they didn't sleep well at night or and that's what's going on? Or when they're younger kids, like, why are they getting up so early in the morning? That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, number six. Um, extreme worry about sleeping away from home or even, like, going on trips away from home. Mm-hmm. Even if it's with you, the mm-hmm. parents. Yes. Um, we absolutely experience Even if this. it's a fun trip. Right. Like, to Disney or something. Just the unknown Yes. Can cause some anxiety. Well, and the being, like, in in my house, there's that element of, like, not being in their, what feels like a safe, comfortable home environment. Yeah. Which is, I hear you. Yeah, you're right. It, it definitely goes with the unknown part, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, number seven. Number seven. Shyness. Yeah. So, from a younger kid perspective... It can mean, like, clinginess. Yeah. And, like, separation anxiety is a form of anxiety. Yeah. But in school-age children, this can – you may not necessarily call them shy, but what this may look like – I feel like it's the same kind of thing – is trouble participating in class activities Mm -hmm. or with their peers Mm -hmm. or choosing to sit out of fun activities, Mm -hmm. like not really wanting to go to the birthday party. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. And um, they say, actually, kids um, opting to, like, not participate in these kind of things or, you know, um, is really kind of the number one behavioral behavioral symptom yeah. that you often see. Um, avoidance. Just avoiding. Avoidance. Yes. Yeah. Avoiding. Yes. Um, avoiding talking to people or avoiding interacting or avoiding yes. going to the birthday party. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's one too where I mean I don't I 
you know, you know, the kids always go through like some version of separation anxiety or, or most kids, not all kids do, you know, as they're going, you know, in their early like preschool years or whatever. Um, but I do, I, looking back, I'm like, I mean, there were times with my youngest where I was like, this just seems extreme. Yeah. Like, is, is everything all right here? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Um, and now I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah. Anxiety. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay, so those are the seven sneaky signs that I think once you know them, it makes perfect sense. Oh, Yeah. But they aren't, when you're in the midst of it as a parent, Yeah, you don't think of this, yes. these things. Exactly. Yeah. It's that, uh, that hindsight is twenty twenty. So we talked about prevalence of anxiety in kids. We talked about the sneaky signs. What causes anxiety in kids? And, and what you found, Carolyn, was that there are basically four categories of what causes anxiety in kids or like what, yeah. what increases their risk of, of it. Yeah. Four factors that kind of influence your susceptibility or risk, I guess. Yeah. So genetics, um, inheritability. That's such a weird word to me. Yeah. Um, But you have about a 30% chance if you have, uh, or one study found that if you're a parent has anxiety disorder, um, that the child, there's a 30% chance that the child will. Another study says it's more like 30 to 50%. Yeah. What I also found interesting is um, a study said that the younger the person is when they get anxiety or depression, the more likely it is to be hereditary. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, which shows there's a strong genetic component component there. Yeah. Well, and also if you're seeing it in your... If you're seeing some of these signs in your kids, it's ab- and you have any family history, it's really worth exploring. Yeah, I mean, and in this day and age, who doesn't? True. Have some family history. True. Good no? point. So the other one, this one, truly, I feel like we should have saved this one for last because this one really blow blew my mind when you were telling me about it. Really? Yeah, I was not expecting it at all. Um, so learned. Anxiety can be learned. Yeah, so kids may start mimicking anxious behaviors when they're around anxious people. Mm-hmm. They see, you know, an anxious person and how they're acting and reacting and they make they can start mimicking that. Um, it says children also um, may develop anxiety around something after they see a parent or caregiver yeah. show fear or, you know, just worry around that thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Um, we have a little bit of that in our house around tornadoes. Mm. And we've worked through it. But um, – but my oldest, uh, you know, went has gone through phases where she gets very anxious about whenever we have a tornado warning. Like, you know, what's the likelihood? Like, do we have, you know, the space under the stairs set up and all that? Well, it stems from her dad who actually got it from his own parents. So it's like this – it's just like – there that fear that yeah. like fear uh, his like worry and fear around like a tornado is like had like instilled this like anxiety in her and like I said we like have worked through it but I'm like 
now that you're explaining it to me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they pick up on everything, you know, and. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Three is the third potential cause is environmental. Okay. And this one may kind of be obvious, but after any kind of stressful event, mm-hmm. um, I mean, extreme, like abuse, bullying, or death of someone they know, but also um, illness, whether it's their illness or maybe a parent's sick, um, frequently changing homes or changing schools, or just, I would say, instability in the home or school yeah. environment. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, all right, and the fourth one is biological, and this is where there probably is a nutrition component. Yeah. So do you want to explain this one? Yeah, and I feel like this one kind of um, goes along with genetic, but bio- uh, biological goes back to the neurotransmitters. Basically, you are, um, if neurotransmitters aren't sending the right messages at the right time, then to the right places. To the right places. There's a lot that's got to go right. And there are a lot of things that can go wrong. Yes. Um, that can make kids more biologically prone to being more anxious. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's going to kind of go back to genetics somewhat. Yeah. But also nutrients. There's some key nutrients that you need. Absolutely. Um, for neurotransmitter production and function. Yes. And that's where I feel like when we've talked about... Um, like when we did way back in season one or season two, I can't even remember when we did the one on, uh, teen, preteen and teen mental health, Mm. we talked about some of the studies about like the importance of nutrients in their, in their brains. So definitely. One other thing that I learned that I was not aware of, um, there's a recommendation out there, um, that, um, Anxiety, anxiety, if it's not treated, will slowly get worse. Mm-hmm. So because of that, ex- and it's, it's a little more common in females as well. So because of that, experts now suggest that all girls age 13 and older be screened for anxiety during routine health exams. Which I did not know that. I had no idea. I will absolutely, I mean, I'm not there yet with my kid's age, but I will absolutely be asking our pediatrician about it. I mean, I think that's important, and that is a really crucial age in both, you know, boys and girls. Mm -hmm. But um, that is, that is just wild to me. One other thing, and I think we've, you may be a little, but I definitely is a lot of times you will find anxiety coexisting with other things mm-hmm. like ADHD, autism, you know, depression. some of your other depression, those kind of things. And it can be really hard, like, to tease out, okay, what is the anxiety and what is the ADHD? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, particularly with those two, yeah. Yeah, because one thing, one sign that or symptom that we didn't mention is, um, uh, like, an Anxiety in kids can look like an inability to focus or pay attention in mm-hmm. class. And it can even cause kids to maybe not have such great grades. Right. And it looks like maybe ADHD from the teacher's perspective. Right. But it may be anxiety. It may be both, but really kind of teasing out what's the real... What's the root? What's the root issue here? Yeah. Well, and also, too, depending on the on the kid and 
in school, like where they are in school in terms of like what the school workload is. Like if they have ADHD, they then might be anxious because it's hard for them to keep up with like just like the general like schooling or yes. like that sort of thing. So that's where that's it gets what, even more complicated. That's what we had is ADHD and not being on the proper medication led to more anxiety. More anxiety. Yeah. yeah. But I think you kind of had the opposite. Opposite. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it was key for you to go to therapy, and I don't know if you do medication or not, for the anxiety where it was more key for us to do medic- get on the right medication for ADHD and that, and some therapy, and that naturally subsided. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're right now just doing therapy, which is a big, I mean, when Your it comes to- Your girls love it. They love it. I love it. Mine love it. They love it. Uh, Madeline would go it. ever, she asked me to book her a two-hour appointment next time. I was like, oh, uh, no. No. I mean, yes, but I mean, this is not social hour here. Yes. Um. Sorry, I'm, I don't, I need not parent your child. Um, no. That you, was unnecessary on my part, but- Parent her any day. But the, yeah, the thing about anxiety in, in kids and- is that the recommendation is really like therapy and then and if needed medication yeah. as well but you know there, i i really feel very confident that both of my girls but especially my youngest has like really learned some great um perspective on like her anxious thoughts mm-hmm. and coping mechanisms like healthy coping mechanisms yeah that's great so was it hard to get them to go were they open to it um um, it was hard to get Etta to go. She didn't open up to many people. First, she does not. Um, so it was hard to get her to go at first. But once we got through the first session, she was fine. Yeah, it, it was more the unknown of who this person uh, was and anxiety. what we were going to be talking about and all of those things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, but Holland, no, no. And now Etta actually requests to go more often than Holland does. That's funny. Yeah. Mine were a little older than yours when they started and it what both I had pushback from both, particularly Madeline. Yeah. My oldest. Um and so it, if um I the way I got her in the door was we're doing this as a family. Yes. Even though we didn't really stick with this. This is a we're great doing this with a family tip. and at the time her brother was going through some really hard stuff and I was like, I need you to come. Please do this for your brother. And yeah. she will do anything for him, you yeah. know. And so I was like, please do this. So that got her in the door. And then she realized once we got there, she just gets to sit there and talk about herself and her life. Yeah. And so then she was like, can I come back by myself? So if anybody's has trouble with yeah. that, you know, um, we didn't really continue much family because it was more individual that was needed. But, yeah, um, yeah if, you're, if you're struggling to get them to, to come go. around or even, Yeah. Yeah, like you said, be willing to just get them in the door. I mean, yeah. I think that's such a great tip, and it worked out very yeah. well for you guys. It did. It did. Now I can't keep her away from Julia. <laughs> Poor Julia. <laughs> so very thankful for therapists, really, really. So, well, we hope that's helpful. And, I mean, we didn't really give you treatment options, but I feel like you have your resources. You yes. have your pediatricians. You you know, if you go to a therapist yourself, you can consult. You can ask another trusted mother who – probably has dealt with this you know for their resources um but we felt it was more important to share these symptoms that aren't so obvious yeah i and i just hopefully it raises awareness for people for parents um and yeah i mean i i also want to add too like 
our pediatrician is fantastic. I love her, but she knows that both my girls go to therapy and she has no hesitation at all now to be like, I feel like this is like more like the therapist department. You know, she says it in a different way, but it, you know, it's like, yeah, so they're not trained yeah. as like, you know, a, a lot in mental health. So, um, mm-hmm. once you, you know, once you get that, those resources, like you kind of quickly see like the advantage of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I hope people find this helpful. Maybe we're catching some moms who have young kids and they can go through some of the stuff we went through and figuring it out or hopefully find it a little helpful. Exactly. And know too that like it can come back in teenage years. Oh yeah. (laughs) It will. It will. It comes back. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I don't think either of us gave our kids much of a shot. Genetically to begin with. No, genetically, I am so sorry. I almost wish I never knew about that genetic connection. Sorry, kids. Okay, well, we will talk to y'all next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye! Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.